0: 30 days to becoming your own best publicist on any budget, even if you're an introvert. Find me at lameredith.com and get enrolled. Welcome Persisters and Brothers. This week, I am so very pleased to have Steve Gamlin, the motivational firewood guy. That is his trademark, actually. That is his fabulous uh, sort of subtitle. But Steve is much, much more than that. He is an author of some pretty amazing books. He's a radio personality for many, many years. He's a motivational speaker. And I won't hesitate to let Steve tell his own story. So thank you and welcome so much, Steve, to Persistence You with Lizbeth.
1: Thank you, Elizabeth. Very happy to be here. And gosh, I've already enjoyed several conversations prior to being here today. So I just look forward to this being us again, sharing some great energy, humor, some lessons for people, and uh, just have a really solid conversation. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Do tell us, I, I am so fascinated with your career, and it just seems like so much fun. When I look online at Steve Gamlin, I'm like, I want to be him. But tell us your story of how you reached where you're at now, because it really, your life has taken some hairpin turns.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been all over the map. And, and I tell people often, I to look, you know, my phoenix rides a pogo stick. I've been <laughs> in and out of the fire a number of times. And every time I just try to you know if something bad happens or i make a decision that wrecks the entire thing which i've done <laughs> that i just bounce higher the next time and you know tail feathers grow back Good. after you fall in the fire and they grow Good back deal. more beautifully and stronger every time so it, it really all started for me when i was about 8 or 9 years old and uh, back in the 70s there was a tv show called wkrp in cincinnati it was about I know a that fictional yes. yeah and I saw this guy named Dr. Johnny Fever, and he had kind of scraggly long hair. He didn't shave often. He wore sunglasses indoors, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And he played records for a living and got to talk to listeners. And I said, I want to do that someday. But I never really had the confidence to do it. And in my early 20s, I'd already gone through you know, the high school years, the college years, barely graduated college. My dad's favorite joke used to be that his son graduated Sumacum this close. <laughs> And that was Thank Dad. Thanks, was Dad. Kind of, yeah, I know, right? I always loved making Dad laugh, even if I was like the joke. And a friend of mine just asked me a, a few times, why didn't you ever follow your dream of being on the radio? You're always so happy when you talked about it. You always played the music for parties. You, you're kind of doing it, but you're not doing it as a career.
0: Right.
1: And at age 24, with almost no money, I went to broadcast school and I got my first radio job. And I did that for 10 years, worked 15 years worth of hours. Crashed and burned my entire life, kind of on purpose, by decisions I made. And then out of those ashes, became a speaker and a stand-up comedian. And uh, here we are 17 years later.
0: That is fantastic. What do you tell people who don't give themselves permission to pursue their own dreams? I mean, that dream for you ignited passion and gave you a sense of mission. But so many of us kind of follow a script that really hadn't worked that well for our own parents.
1: Yeah, the model has changed quite a bit. Because what what was the script? I'm 53 years old. So the script that I had was get a good education, a good job with a good company, with good benefits, go to sleep for 45 years, sitting at your desk, and then retire with good benefits. Well, that model's gone. And that was never really part of my wiring anyway. But for people now that may have a passion or a goal or a dream, here's the one thing I do caution them on. Don't throw your entire life in a wood chipper just so you can go pursue that start small. If you can do a little side hustle, if you can meet some people, get coached or mentored, if you can just spend a couple of hours a week getting a feel for it or taste for it, start there. Because this whole thing of, you know, I I tell these stories and it almost makes me sound like I'm glorifying, throwing away your entire life. Because really, I blew it all up. Every phase of it, I blew up when I was 35 years old out of frustration. And I don't recommend that approach. Now I've survived it because I've, I've made a career talking about it, but start small and get flavors for it. And always remember the most important thing is why do I want this? Is it because my current life stinks or is it because I'm really passionate, curious, excited about this other thing? So start small, get a taste and a flavor. And it kind of goes against what the gurus of my industry say of, you know, take, Huge, massive action all at once. Well, that's going to scare a lot of people. Sure. So, uh, you know, start small and just get some flavors for it and, and really build up your muscles.
0: It's not even practical for all of us to step off a ledge and let all the details of our life fall down while we are pursuing a passion. It does not always make sense. So I like that advice. I, I feel like that's something that also when you have a job that may not absolutely ignite your sense of purpose any longer, but you start pursuing this as maybe a side hustle, giving it, that can also make you appreciate your original job even more. And it's funny because I worked for the government for many, many years and just recently retired. But when I started writing and publishing some things, that gave me that sense of like, okay, I don't need someone else to notice the hard work I'm doing because now I'm doing something that that feels right. But toward the end of my employment, when I got asked to teach creative writing to juvenile delinquents on our units, that was so neat. Sometimes we can do it in small increments, but it can really enhance the life we currently have. We don't have to burn it all down.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in, in something you just said in there was so perfectly stated you ha- you did that little thing on the side and it actually made you appreciate or or maybe woke up something in the in you that you actually do like or just find really tolerable right. in your full-time job i had a, a vision board coaching client. This is a few years ago now. She's uh, successful in business. She's a CPA. She works in a, in a really nice company. What she wanted to do, her life's passion was to volunteer to be a part of maybe animal rescue or animal adoption. Yes. And she wished she could go do that, but she couldn't walk away from the paycheck. So what I suggested to her was one Saturday a month, take one hour and go volunteer at a shelter and go walk dogs. And we started to refer to that as slivers just slivers of time. If you can tolerate working 40, 50 hours just to get to that one hour of a sliver so that you can do that. It it just recharged her every time. And she has since adopted two cats from that shelter. Right. I love that have a dog, though. but now she still does that on a regular basis and she's doing better than ever in her full-time job.
0: I think that sounds just fantastic. And again, that's a way to address people who don't feel like they're risk takers But that doesn't mean that they can't try something new and amazing and see if they want to meander toward a full time life of the new chosen sliver. So I love that. Now, what is so how has your business evolved? Like, how did you go from being radio to comedian and then this amazing work that you do?
1: It started off about a year sitting in the ashes. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I literally, without another full-time job to go to, all I had was my DJ business okay. on the side, which was part-time at the time. Um, I made a decision to just walk away from radio. And what happened shortly after that was the rest of the dominoes went too. My first marriage ended. I was uh, $62,000 in debt at age 35 because I wasn't watching the store. I, sure. I wasn't... I was making minimum payments on stuff, not watching with no concept of interest or right. anything like that. So I sat for about a year just trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And in August of 2003, uh, I had a couple of dollars left in my pocket on a Friday afternoon. Here in New England, it was very humid out. And I went to a golf driving range. And I went to the farthest tee box because I am a notoriously dangerous golfer. So I went to the far end of the property so I wouldn't hit or hurt anyone. And I was underneath some power lines, you know, the big uh, you know power lines with the the towers and the wires, and a thunderstorm came ripping through. So there oh, yeah. I stood for an hour in the pouring rain, thunder, lightning, barefoot in the wet grass, waving a metal club under power lines. And everybody but me ran from the storm, and I'm just looking up and I held the club up at one point I go, My life blows. Go ahead. (laughs) I just, it made me laugh a little bit. I'm just like, okay, go ahead. And I hit all my golf balls, which was just to get frustration out. That's all it was. And I finished my bucket and I went to leave and I saw two full buckets, a few tea boxes away from two gentlemen who had run from the storm. So I hit all their golf balls. So after an hour, I couldn't even lift my arms and I got to my car and the rain stopped and the sun came out and I just started laughing. (laughs) It was just too funny. Like, this couldn't write itself. And a couple days later, I was talking to a brand new life coach I just started working with. I was one of his first clients. And he's got his pen and paper. He goes, so, how was your week? And I said, put down your pen and listen to this. And I retold the story. But I tried to make it as funny as possible. And it was really self-deprecating. But it was funny. And he started laughing. He says, I got to ask you two questions. Are you this open and honest about your life with everybody? He said, even strangers. I said, yeah, really kind of self-deprecating, but yeah. And then he asked, have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you'd be really good at both, and I think you would love it. Wow. I said yes to both. I had no idea how to pursue either one. On his desk was a brochure from a local community college with an intro to stand-up comedy class that started within three weeks.
0: Oh, my goodness. He says, you're not going to
1: believe this. So I'm like, wow. yes, will you go? I said, oh, my God, heck yeah. And then he asked if I'd ever heard of Toastmasters, where you go and learn how to craft your tools and basics. And I said, yeah. And within a month, I was doing both. And I did stand-up for seven years and then decided to just take the, the style and bring it into my speaking
0: that is so terrific. And how it all came together organically. That's just lovely. And then did the rest of life follow as you rebuilt this new?
1: Slowly, yes. (laughs) That's okay. You know, and the cool part is I've I've been keeping journals now for about 29 years. So I've documented the highs, the lows, and everything in between, all the lessons I've learned. And what started to happen was from, I, I heard about this DVD called The Secret about law of attraction and there was a tiny three minute section in there about vision boards. So I started to learn about those and I even kept notes on the stupidest, dumbest mistakes I ever made with vision boards. And then it just started to grow to be a part of what I spoke about and what I teach. So I just took notes along the way and and the notes you take on the bad days are going to serve you so well when you start to figure it out.
0: I like that. I like that very much. So journaling is a big part of, of, your success really and and then tracking the whole journey not just the high spots. Now can you t- explain vision boards a little bit because not all of the listeners would know what a vision board is?
1: Sure. The way I describe it is a vision board is a well mounted GPS for the rest of your life. And what okay. I mean by that is it's you know a lot of us are taught to to set new year's resolutions and I can't just say they're no good because it's something. Sure. But what I do is when I work with people is to say, okay, instead of saying things like, I want to be happy, I want to be healthy, I want more money. All right, let's get into finer detail. Mm-hmm. What does healthy look like for you? Is okay. it a certain amount of times at the gym, a certain weight on your scale, getting the right amount of sleep? And we really start to dial in and really draw the, the picture of where your life is right now and then where you'd like it to be, say, in a year. Okay. So we start to get into the fine detail and then understanding why you want it. Not just, well, because my life blows right now. It's no, 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 no. Why do you really want it? What's your emotional connection to it? And then how can we create an action plan that's going to hit all of your senses to keep you tied to that journey going forward? So it's, it's kind of like a goals list on steroids because it really strengthens your connection to what it is that you say you want.
0: Okay. Excellent. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Now, What is your day-to-day life like now with your work, and how did you come up with that fabulous title of the Fireword guy? I mean, that is very unique.
1: My days start like a lot of other people's uh, days. I, I wake up first thing in the morning, and whoever wakes up first, me or my wife, one of our feet reaches for the other one's feet, and we both just go, hmm. Get up. Oh, that
0: is very
1: <laughs> I'm a hopeless, helpless romantic, but it, that is a requirement to start every day. Right. Then I go down to my office, down the hall, and I grab my gratitude journal, and I write down my three favorite moments from the previous day in okay. less than a line each. Then I'll go downstairs, empty out the dishwasher, make a smoothie with uh, some fresh fruit and uh, some kale or, or something green that gets all chopped up in the blender. Then I come down here to my recording studio, and I... Uh, you know, see what clients I need to speak with that day, or I'll create, I'll produce a radio show, uh, start writing new articles. So I just try to always be creating something and staying moving, Love as it. best I can throughout the entire day, and see what pains are going on out there. If I look in social media, and just try to craft messages and ways to support uh, people, and of course, trying to book events, which I now do virtually from my recording studio, which is known as the Barnboard Lounge, because I have a wall of Barnboard uh, behind me from a local sawmill. So when my that. clients said, hey, I love your Barnboard Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it kind of got that name about five years ago. That's but
0: fantastic. Good. My
1: day is just trying to leave as many situations as possible better than I find them.
0: Okay. That is a terrific sense of mission. I mean, right there. I also was noticing one of your book's titles that I brought up earlier and The centerpiece. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the books that you have if people can get them and where they can find you also?
1: Sure. Yes. Uh, My website is the place to get everything. It's motivationalfirewood.com. Okay. That particular book was written from the eyes of my DJ business. Uh, I've been DJing weddings now for almost 28 years. And the book is called Table Seven Your Centerpiece is on Fire. And it's a a collection of 16 short stories about the most bizarre things I had survived. (laughs) Over the years, they all have happy endings and it all comes down to the positive attitude of my brides and grooms and and just saying, okay, this is not perfect right now. This is weird. Something could really go wrong here. I mean, I've dealt with bomb threats, cake fights and all kinds of things, but we always had a happy outcome right by the end so uh that one i'm currently bringing back uh into a print on demand but a couple of my other books are available on my website in the products page right um 20 to life in a good way which is 20 positive quotes calls to action and also oh yay another quote book which is 52 (laughs) quotes that i either wrote or gathered and then three by an adorable rescued dog named super teddy Oh, his are at the end. And those are everybody's favorites because he was such an adorable little guy. Uh, and then he wrote his own book called Bust Out of Your Crate, Super Teddy's Top 20 Tips for People to Be as Happy as Dogs. And we're working on relaunching that one
0: now. I love that. And what a smart dog you had to be able to write his own books. I just think that's it's incredible.
1: I swear. <laughs> How did you find him.
0: that? Yeah,
1: I know. Well, he was just gifted. What? <laughs>
0: Now, about your writing process, who who helps you edit them?
1: I have an editor right here in New Hampshire Excellent. Uh, who, on our first project together, and I always explain it this way, she learned me. Right. <laughs> uh, sometimes editors will will send something back and the, uh, the author will feel as though uh, his or her voice got lost in it. My editor right up front says, look, I love the way you write. And she said, I may just have to tweak a couple of things here grammatically, but the flavor of you is going to come through no matter what. So we've worked uh, out of my four books. We've done three of them together.
0: Oh, that is such a joy because writing can be such a lonely and insecurity producing process. Mm -hmm. If you have the wrong person who tries to omit your voice, that doesn't feel good. But you've got someone that creates a fun kind of writing partnership. So that is just terrific. I love your titles. Thanks. So that is particularly just fun. <laughs> and I noticed you have an active Facebook page also where people can find you, right? And you do some live Facebook lives sometimes, I've noticed.
1: Yes, I do. I have uh, my personal page and also Steve Gamlin, uh, the motivational firewood guy is my speaker business page on Yes,
0: Facebook. great. And I
1: apologize. I didn't uh, explain motivational firewood earlier. Yes, oh, I'm minute. sorry. I, I, I went, bit. oh, my, my apologies. Uh, I went to a new... uh National Speakers Association of New England meeting early, early on in my speaking, maybe 2005 or six. And uh, of course, being my first time there, I had that blue name badge that just says, Steve, you know, hi, oh you know, I'm 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 a target. Go ahead, talk to me. I'm clueless uh, about what's going on. And one of the veteran members, his name is Don, and he reached over. Hey, uh, Steve. Hey, great to meet you. So, what brings you to us? I said, well, I want to be a motivational speaker. He says, Well, great. What sets you apart? And I said, Well, I want to help people. He goes, Steve, we all want to help people. What <laughs> makes you unique? Sure. And I've got to say, he was so gracious with his time. We had about five-minute conversation, and I finally just, out of frustration, said, you know, Don, if someone's coming to hear me speak, they have a spark of something in their heart that they want better in their lives. They may not know what it is or how to get there, but if they come to me and I share a story, a lesson, an example, something that gets them to wake up the next day and think one more positive thought, speak one more kind word, or take one more positive action to get somewhere. I said, it's kind of like I gave him motivational firewood. Right. And then his next question was, do you know anything about trademarks? And I said, Don, not a clue. He said, I really love the concept. I think you should pursue it. He goes, but you know what I like the most? The way your face lit up when you just explained what sets you apart. He says, pursue that. And I've been the motivational firewood guy ever since.
0: I love it. Fantastic. You never know how those things are going to come together. And that makes total sense. Mm. Fabulous. Okay. Well, thank you so much. What would you tell someone the last thing? What would you tell a listener? Like one little extra point of it, point of inspiration for them to maybe get through this very frustrating time and continue to pursue what their own mission is. Maybe they've blown up their life, or maybe they've never had the courage to do it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's its own problem. I mean, yes, you were standing in ashes when your life fell apart at 35. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's something beautiful to be said about having the courage to do that. Yeah. So any last little thought? I'd love to hear it.
1: Sure thing. It goes back to a lesson my grandfather taught me. He never actually said the words, but he lived it. Leave at least one situation a day better than you found it. And that can be when you're out and about, act of kindness, hold the door, make somebody laugh or smile, pay a compliment, but also in your own mirror every single day. Look in the mirror and just find something you appreciate or admire about yourself. And, and believe me, there have been days where I just looked all the way down at the floor and go, Well, at least your socks match.
0: Right. Well, good.
1: <laughs> but every day, leave one situation better than you found it, and it includes your own life. Learn a new skill. Go on YouTube. Find somebody out there who inspires you, who's doing what you wish you had the guts to pursue and just go watch for clues. And if you do that, you're going to leave yourself in a slightly better place every day. And I think everyone should really take that to heart and and put down the daggers and pick up a pen and paper and just figure out how you can do that every day.
0: I think that is such fabulous advice to, to, to try out, to live by and to end on. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week.
1: Proud member of the Podnooga Network.